0: Keeping an eye on the NBA playoffs for you tonight. Boston defeated Indy, um, ninety-nine ninety-one. Celtics lead that series two-nothing. Houston all over Utah early, forty-two to twenty-six early in the second quarter. And the Bucks are beating up on the Pistons, one eleven to 94 in the fourth quarter we'll keep you updated on those we'll have some nhl scores, stanley cup playoff scores a little bit later but let's bring on in larry holder of the athletic to talk about the Saints' schedule release we went over it last segment larry uh welcome on in what what a busy day here in the uh, sports in southeast louisiana one of the the more busy memorable days than i can remember man
1: yeah and uh when the, the pelicans introduced a new leadership group basically to uh uh to the city and to their fan base and that's the third fiddle it's uh it's certainly something that uh uh made for a busy day and yeah over at the athletic (laughs) let's see i we had will guillory doing the pelicans i jumped on the same schedule and uh, i also jumped on of course the shift an athletic director at lsu so yeah crazy uh Crazy day here uh, in Southeast Louisiana.
0: Uh, No doubt. And third fiddle, David Griffin, is playing on my show also. We'll talk David Griffin in hour number three, if you're wondering, Pelicans fans out there. But, Larry, let's let's talk about this schedule. And, boy, is that opening brutal? And the Saints have had some brutal ones recently. But that four-game stretch against four playoff teams from last year, um, that's that's, that's a heck of a way to open the season.
1: Yeah, the Saints can't afford to kind of stumble – like they uh, typically do to open the season. Of course, uh, two years ago, they started 0-2. And last year, uh, they basically should have started 0-2 when you think about how they lucked out in beating Cleveland at home. And we all thought that those first two games would be cupcakes, and they weren't. So, no cupcakes to open the season. Of course, you're starting uh, Monday night at home against Houston. Then you've got the two West Coast trips at the Rams and at Seattle, and then you wrap that up with the Monday nighter in New Orleans against Dallas. And I will say the one thing I think is a good aspect to that, uh, you get the no-call game, the rematch, you get that out the way early. That's not a game that's hanging over your head and a talking point throughout the season. Knock it out early and be done with it. Uh, I think it's it's kind of similar to uh, when you had to basically uh, have the rematch of the Minneapolis Miracle two years ago, uh, and the Saints were able to knock that out of the way. I think it was game six or so uh, when they were able to get that kind of off their chest. And so uh, if you look at anything there, I, I think that's a positive aspect to, to get that game out of the way.
0: Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that, Larry. It's, it's a fantastic point. I do think that that two-game road stretch, at the Rams, and then at the Seahawks, maybe the most difficult two-game road stretch of anybody in the National Football League. And um, I just wonder maybe, and maybe, I don't know this is way too early to get an answer on this, I'm just wondering maybe they stay out on the West Coast there because, yeah, that's it's going through the meat grinder early.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's too early to think that. Uh Saints are, uh, uh, I'm sure, already pondering this, and it makes total sense. I could point to... Oxnard California uh, where the Dallas Cowboys have held training camp a bunch and where the Saints actually during uh, the t- right before the 2011 season they spent a week out there in training camp It's all kind of set up out there for them. So there are places where they can do this and so it would make complete sense to do that and it's almost you're away from it all you know it's almost like a regular season but you're away from any kind of distraction for a week and maybe that's a good thing uh depending on what happens with the rams game if you lose okay maybe you gear up and you play seattle and then or if you win you positive momentum and uh and you zero in on on the seahawks so yeah i I would be stunned if they didn't stay out there uh it makes too much sense
0: larry holder with this columnist for the athletic new orleans covering the saints at larry holder on twitter What, what are some of the other highlights and standouts of the schedule for you larry
1: I'd say the third quarter of the schedule because it's an entire slate of NFC South games and it wraps up with the Thanksgiving uh, rematch at Atlanta this time. But yeah, you play every NFC South opponent. It's almost like we're just done with the Masters. It's almost like the Amen Corner where it's you make that turn and that's where <laughs> you can either plow ahead or fall behind kind of a deal. Yeah. So I'd say... That is certainly an interesting stretch uh, for the Saints, but a manageable one, you know. So it's uh, – uh, yeah, and, and that third quarter, you got the bye week at the at right smack in the middle of the season, and you gear up for that. So, but, yeah, that is a time where, uh, you know, if, it, if the division's tight, that's where you want to try to make moves.
0: In that, that third quarter of this uh, schedule stretch, I saw, too, it's interesting that your your divisional stretch is there and not at the end of the season. I mean, and typically you get those three, four – uh, division games in a row to finish the season, uh, but not so here. And that brings us to the last quarter of the season. Pretty manageable, actually. It's, it's one of the more manageable closes to the season that I can remember for the Saints. And look, it's the NFL. We know this, Larry, but nothing's a gimme. But you're talking 49ers, Colts at home, and then at Titans at Carolina. That's, again, not a soft landing, but manageable.
1: Yeah, manageable. Uh, but, uh, look, it's uh, you're playing outdoors in potentially chilly temperatures uh, in Nashville and in Charlotte at the end of December, and uh, that could test the Saints' metal. Huh? There's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, it's uh, it helped last year. Their final two home games uh, were the week 16 and 17, and they didn't even have to do anything week 17 because they had already clinched. I mean, that's when Teddy Bridgewater's playing. But, but still, you would uh, – uh, you, you hope you – taking care of business by then uh, and the Saints put themselves in good position but it's uh, uh, yeah it it is curious that the NFL at least I have not taken a good look at anybody else's schedule to be honest with you so I don't know if that's a trend around the league but uh, we're used to seeing uh, the NFC South a lot of those games at the end and, and it is curious that they they put that in the third quarter of the season and not the final quarter of the
0: season. Thanksgiving Day game or night game against Atlanta again. It's it's kind of becoming a tradition, and I think the maybe the NFL area just sees the ratings for that one and thinks it's too big, and maybe it will become a little bit of a tradition.
1: Yeah, I think uh, the NFL enjoyed the ratings last year, hasn't? And and it's that's got to be why they're putting it back on there. They know Saints fans watch; they absolutely know that. Uh, that, and and it's, it's, I think part of America understands that it's a, it's kind of a rivalry grudge match. Saints-Falcons, no love lost there. And so uh, you get it back-to-back. Back. I can't remember a time outside of it, say, Detroit and Green Bay or something like that, but a, a two non-traditional Thanksgiving Day uh, participants where it's been the same matchup twice we need to get someone to go look that up yeah uh, and see uh, when's the last time that that's really actually happened because i can't recall uh that being the case two years in a row
0: no and i definitely can't recall it since they've gone to the, the three game slate on thanksgiving speaking of those falcons larry did you see their social media video tonight
1: i didn't watch it i, I saw it was a game of thrones uh yeah yeah I, I was, yeah. <laughs> Fast
0: forward to about 41 seconds in there and they have uh, well direct shots at the Saints and I suppose uh, look maybe they deserved to fire back after what the flack we've been giving them for so long but it it was interesting <laughs>
1: anyways it was interesting hey uh, that that just goes to show you that uh, that rivalry is still rolling strong <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and look and I think I think if we say that I think the Falcons are going to be better this year I uh, mean, when you don't have Deion Jones and Keanu Neal, uh, keep pieces to your defense, uh, missing most of the season, uh, it, it's certainly something that you can't replace. And so, I think Atlanta is going to be better this year than they were last year. So I would uh, I gear up, Saints fan.
0: Well, Larry Holder also wrote today about uh, Joe Oliva stepping aside, and we learned tonight Scott Woodward on his way to LSU. What do you make of this, Larry?
1: I think uh, you Baton Rouge can't throw a parade big enough <laughs> for uh, the, the exit of uh, Joe Oliva and then bringing back Baton Rouge native LSU alum, uh, bringing him home from Texas A&M. But like, this isn't just a Will Wade thing. I think everybody uh, who's in tune with LSU understands this is a bigger scope of, of just things going awry uh, with two of the you know bigger programs. On campus, when you're talking football, we've seen the coaching debacles there. Uh, we've seen the coaching debacles with the basketball team. We Forget just Will Wade. I mean, he whiffed twice before that with Trent Johnson and Johnny Jones. And now yeah. he gets a guy who he really championed, and boy, this is up-and-comer. And then all of a sudden, you're not two years in, and there's crazy drama, and your program could be in trouble again, and guess what? that's on Oliva. You know, some of these other things where Oliva wanted a can less miles, but then he they all, you know, F. King Alexander then, of course, stepped in uh, and kept him, and then Jimbo Fisher got away, but that's just the president not trusting the AD to do the job, and of course, that was when uh, there was really budgetary crisis uh, within the state, and so they couldn't stomach a buyout, but then you have to stomach it four games in the next season, so it's it's just a big cluster bleep, basically. You know, so I, I think this is, and to go out and have a plan, obviously they had a plan. So the fact that what they went out uh, and got the new AD and made that happen, I think it's it's kind of a double plus for LSU uh, to show that they weren't, you know, even though it looks like maybe they were just reactive, but to go out and immediately turn around and get Scott Woodward meant you were being Huge. proactive with this thing yeah
0: uh, find larry holder's work at theathletic.com and he's on twitter at larry holder larry appreciate it man we'll talk again soon all
1: right seth good talking to you buddy